Daily Dirt Nap, Money Talks. Own your life. With Jared Dillian and Money Talk on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. You gotta gotta play this. You gotta play the whole thing. cruising and because you know we follow one another he, his stuff pops up in my timeline he's like if you want a good laugh tonight listen to this the worst song in the world so i listened to it and i was like you know it's a close second because the worst song in the world is actually john lennon and yoko ono what what it's just nothing but that him playing on the piano her screaming That's it. That's the song. <laughs> so those two are at a race to the bottom of the barrel. I agree. So I that, never heard of this My Pal Foot Foot. So the song you played is is by the Shags. And the Shags were three teenage girls in New Hampshire in the 60s. And their parents bought them guitars and drums. And they set up a band. And they actually recorded an album. And the whole thing is like that. It's <laughs> so cool. And, and it, like now, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but that that song has three million views on youtube like it is wow. widely considered the are worst they still around i mean they're old ladies now yeah but know. i mean yeah that's Did they ever cool. get any better no ah. no the shags yep that is so funny <laughs> i like the uh, tagline on the bottom the shags better than the beatles <laughs> better than frank zappa <laughs> Jared Dillian is joining us, and if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Daily, Daily Dirt Nap. So, um, Jared, what's uh, new in your world? So let's talk about this Fitch downgrade. Yes, U.S. credit rating. So I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of Fitch. Fitch is a credit rating agency. There's three of them. There's S&P and Moody's and Fitch. Fitch is the smallest one. And these are what are called NRSROs, which stands for Nationally Recognized Statistical Ratings Organizations. Mm-hmm. Okay, And the funny thing about the rating agencies is that they have a legal monopoly. Like, there can't be any more. They're, it's a protected monopoly by the government. There's three of them, and that's it. Mm. So, okay. And like I said, Fitch is the smallest. Now, for a little history, S&P downgraded the U.S. back in 2011. Okay, and Obama was president. Tim Geithner was Treasury Secretary. And when the downgrade happened, Geithner picked up the phone, called the CEO of S&P and started screaming at him like Hmm. this actually happened. And six months later, they were hit with like a hundred and fifty million dollar fine for ratings they did on mortgages during the financial crisis. And at the time, S&P was like, this is just retaliation for the downgrade. And for sure, something like this is going to happen to Fitch. 
because a lot of the people that you saw on Twitter, like Obama's former CEA chair, you know, said this is politically motivated and blah, blah, blah. So it's anyway. But the reason they downgraded the U.S. is because of this dysfunctional politics around the debt ceiling. You know, we, we come down to the wire every time on the debt ceiling. They threaten to shut down the government. They threaten to default on the debt. And we have this year, we're going to have about a $2 trillion deficit, which is crazy because this is an expansion. Like we are actually – this. The economy is good. Mm. Usually you have smaller deficits during expansions and larger deficits during recessions. We have, we're have we going to have a $2 trillion deficit during an expansion, and we have a deficit to GDP of, of about 8 or 9%. And we have this structural deficit, and one of the reasons that this is happening is because interest rates went up. So the interest on our debt has become more expensive. So we used to pay about three or four hundred billion a year in interest. That is now up to one trillion a year, oh just an in interest on the debt. Wow. So. so why do you think this is happening? Has this this kind of sequence of events ever happened before? Like all of these factors like this? Like no. you said, expansion and, and debt. No. I mean we are it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It might happen in the next 10 years. Like, we will have a debt crisis in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, just for an example, like, we our debt to GDP is about 100%, which means our GDP is about $31 trillion and our debt is about $31 trillion. So we have a debt to GDP of about 100%. The countries that have a debt to GDP higher than us, let me name some, Japan, mm-hmm. Greece, mm. Portugal, Libya, Sudan, mm. Wait, Greece? Venezuela. Didn't they just go bankrupt not too long ago? Yeah, Venezuela, yeah, uh, the, Bahrain. In other words, we're in bad company. We are in bad company. Mm-hmm. Like, And usually when a country gets to 100% debt to GDP, then bad things start happening. So. so what do we do to insulate ourselves? You know, you know we often talk about, um, you know, I talk to... Ryan and Rob from, you know, PCRX Computers and PCMatic about a nation-state attack of cybersecurity and how to insulate your own little world, how you do that. Is there something we can do because of a national financial issue, what we do to insulate ourselves? Yeah, we have to, we have to cut spending by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Our lot own of, spending? Uh, yeah. A lot of people think you ha- that we have to balance the budget. We don't necessarily have to balance the budget. This is how it works, okay? So you have to have a deficit-to-GDP ratio lower than your GDP growth, okay? So if the economy is growing at 4% a year, your deficit-to-GDP ratio has to be less than 4% a year. If you're growing faster than your debt, then eventually you will pay off the debt. Mm-hmm. So right now we have a we have a deficit of about $2 trillion. If we cut that down to about... Six to eight hundred billion, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. We'll be fine. But I don't know that there's one point two trillion in spending that we can cut because a lot of the budget is interest on the debt, which we have to pay, and entitlements like Social Security, which we have to pay. Right. You know, like entitlements are taking up a bigger and bigger part of the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what about earning more? 
I mean, can we increase the, <laughs> <laughs> the GDP? I mean, we well, talk about decreasing debt. Why don't we just make more? That, that's, that's an awesome question because that's essentially what we did in the 80s. Uh-huh. So back in the early to mid-80s, Reagan was president, and he was running pretty big deficits, 5 to 6% of g- deficits of GDP. And the Democrats were freaking out about the debt. But what Reagan did was he did these supply-side tax cuts. Mm-hmm. And if and a lot of people don't understand the magnitude of what he did. When Jimmy Carter left office, mm. the highest tax rate was 70%. Wow. Which applied to income over $700,000, mm-hmm. okay, which is about $2 million today. Highest tax rate was 70%. When Reagan left office, the highest tax rate was 28%. Mm. So he cut taxes by 42%. Wow. Okay. And what that did was that kicked off growth that lasted for 20 years. Hmm. We had 20 years of growth. And at the end of it, in 2000, when Clinton was finishing up his second term, we actually balanced the budget. We ran a surplus for a little while. You know, so there's it's counterintuitive to say, okay, if you cut taxes, it's actually going to increase the deficit in the short term. Mm-hmm. But if you cut taxes, you will spur growth, which will reduce the deficit in the long term. Well, that's what they're trying to do here in the state of South Carolina. Well, they cut the income tax from 7% to 6.5%, which is not enough. No. And Grover Norquist, uh, who I forget his organization, it's Tax Freedom something or other, mm-hmm. um, he wrote an article the other day about how red states are pushing for 0% income taxes. Yeah. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders out mm-hmm. in Arkansas. They're trying like to she's, do that here. She's, yeah. South Carolina is the worst offender mm-hmm. of all the red That's states right. in, in terms of taxes. Um, and it's, it's I, I got to tell you, like, it's pretty pathetic that, you know, we, we've had Nikki Haley and Henry McMaster for 20 years, mm-hmm. and the best we can do is a half a percent cut mm-hmm. yeah. in income taxes. Well, it's the legislature. Yeah, I they know. They don't want to come along. Yeah. I don't know why. And the tourism here, Myrtle Beach, it was just re- released. Number one destination search. A billion people have come through here. They should be, you know, the streets should be lined with gold without increasing and taxes on us. Yeah. It doesn't look like that when you go down in the city, does it? That they're lined with gold. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So those are my feelings on good. taxes. We should, I mean, we should have, we should have much lower taxes in South Carolina. I mean, the, the nice thing is that South Carolina has, especially this part of South Carolina in Horry County, mm-hmm. we have some of the lowest property taxes in the country, mm-hmm. and we should fight to keep it that way. You know, I don't, I'm not a Myrtle Beach resident, mm-hmm. so I don't really get involved in that politics. Yeah. But whenever I hear about people in Myrtle Beach trying to raise the mill rate to build a school or raise the mill rate to do this, you know, that's that's the beginning of yeah. higher taxes in the mm-hmm. long run. So. Well, yeah, you know, oh, go ahead. No, no, you would just think that all these new homes hey. would provide the tax there you go. that you need, the added money that you need to build those things. Yeah, yeah. And why can't we negotiate that? I, I, You know, maybe I don't know enough about it. Maybe those people require a lot more infrastructure. So you need more police, you need more fire departments, you know, you need more schools, you need and maybe another post office, but that's federal. Um, you know, I'm just thinking all that, you know, you need more roads to be cared for. So, you know, I know more people comes more expense, but it also comes with a bigger tax base. Yep, yep. So... 
Yep. I don't really know um, how that all pans out, but I do know something else is looming, and I don't know if you've been catching um, this at all. Uh, a lot of coastal uh, homeowners, and I don't mean like literally on the coast, I'm, not, I'm talking like a vicinity, are lo- going to be losing their home insurance uh, provider. Yeah, this has been happening in Florida. This is, this oh, is yeah. a big deal. They're yeah. whining about it bad in Florida. And I already was notified that mine's going to drop me in November. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about the insurance market. The insurance market is very cyclical. You know, what happens is is that insurance rates go up and it provides an incentive to, for insurance companies to issue policies. My guess is in 5 years, the insurance problem will be mostly solved. I'm not too worried about it. You okay. know, the free market takes care of it. You want to uh, stick around and talk about orange futures or you want to squeeze it in? No, I can stick around. Okay. We're going to take a break and we'll be back squeeze in a moment. Squeeze it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jared Dillian is back. We're going to squeeze in some orange juice. <laughs> squeeze. Squeeze. Isn't it Grab Your Nuts Day? Uh, it is, actually. It's Grab Some Nuts Day. Grab Some Nuts. Yeah. What's your favorite nut? <laughs> well, last time I grabbed you, I got sued. Because <laughs> you are my favorite nut. No, I like cashews. Cashews? Yeah. I love cashews. I'm really self-editing over here. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I've been doing that all morning. I have senioritis. We do this daily. I know, we do it daily. We There's a, like like 90%, like my tongue is bitten all day long. <laughs> so anyway, Jared, what can you say about orange Juice well, first of or all, orange you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an active trader. I trade a lot of futures. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really enjoy trading stocks. I like trading futures. And futures trading is not for everybody. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of risk. Um, there's a lot of leverage. You really have to know what you're, you're doing. I've been trading futures since 2001. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's been 22 years of doing this. So I would consider myself experienced. Um, I'm a technical trader. I like looking at charts. Uh, and a lot of times I'll trade something that I don't know anything about just because I like the chart. Okay. So if you look at a chart of orange juice over over the last year, I mean, it's really tripled in price. Hmm. There's it, it's it's frozen concentrate orange juice futures. Now these <laughs> oh, that's very specific. These things I learned everything about that from trading places. Yeah. Now these things used <laughs> to be big in the '80s, and now they're not really that. They don't trade that much. The volume is very low. Uh, but I took a short position in orange juice futures, and yesterday when we went out to lunch, uh-huh. they were limit down. They were limit down during the day, so that's good for me. So, what what is it? What was it? It was limit down. Yeah. So what does the, that mean? the exchanges in in the futures world, the exchanges set limits on how far the price can move in a day. Mm. Uh, it's basically to prevent people from blowing up. Like if something crashed. 20%, then a whole bunch of people would blow up and clearing mm. firms would blow up and it would be a mess. So they set price limits. Okay. So basically it was down 10 points and that's all it can move in a day. And today the limit expands and it could go down another 10 points. Oh. So I see. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. But well, I, I also, I'm, you know, I have futures on two year notes, I'm long two year note futures, I'm short SP futures, uh, I'm long oil futures. So I have a lot You're of stuff. You're speaking going a on. whole nother language. Yep. Short, long, future. How, how's my future looking? <laughs> <laughs> so so um Jared, what is uh 
what is your what is the impact of what's going on politically, if anything, going like on with the, um, you know, the the stock market? Uh, not sure what you mean. Well, you know, all this indictment and this turmoil. I don't, you know, I don't know how closely you follow politics, yeah, but I don't think it's going to have much of an effect until you get closer to the election. Okay. Um, and we should talk. We can talk about this, like. You know, th- there is some chance, mm-hmm. you know, I would say 30 percent chance that Trump becomes the nominee. And when the election happens, he's sitting in jail mm. like that's that's a real possibility, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. And if that happens, that's going to be very bad for the markets, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Um How's that going to work with Secret Service detail? And, I mean, there's just a whole myriad of problems. I mean, and I, and I bring that up not because I'm for Trump or anti-Trump, but this is the world that we live in. This is what's mm-hmm. happening, and you just have to consider that as a possibility. Maybe you know? he'll be under house arrest in the in the White House. Ah. I will tell you who the preferred Wall Street candidate is. Ooh, it's Tim Scott. Really? Wall Street is getting behind Tim Scott really? in a big way. Yeah, there's. A guy named Stan Druckenmiller, he runs huh. what's called the Duquesne Family Office right now, but he, he's been trading for decades. Uh, there's a couple other heavy hitters, and th- they're holding fundraisers for Tim Scott. They're really? raising millions of dollars for Tim Why? Scott. Yeah. Well, he's. I think out of all the Republican candidates, he's probably the most market-friendly, you know? Huh. So. You don't like Vivek? Uh, he is intelligence without virtue. Whoa. Is that because he's not Christian? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No. Well, I'm going to have to ask that. Nick is waving at you. I know. Bye, Jared. All right. See you.